Today's episode is brought to you by Omeo. Omeo is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details and Omeo will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler for you to book your first real vacation for 2021. Vacations, remember those? Best of all, using Omeo saves you time and money, and that's a win-win in our books. Omeo wants to help you leave your house. That's right, leave your house for a change this summer by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head to omeo.com and use the code LISTENER5, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and the number 5 at checkout. It's valid until June 30th for new users on all modes of transportation. It's just the pick-me-up 2021 needs. Omeo, plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Frank with the Mistaken Identity Podcast. If you are a everyday listener, you know that we are the podcast that likes to give away free stuff to our listeners and our members on Patreon. We went crazy on Mother's Day with the Ian Hap autographed baseball, but Father's Day is around the corner and we are excited to give away a very exclusive Gibson baseball barbecue grill package gift set for dads like David or father figures like myself. Simply go down to the show notes in the description and you will find a link to apply to make sure that the dad or the father figure in your life gets a great baseball gift pack. If you are a member on our Patreon site, you can take a look and see how the barbecue grill from Gibson and all the other items that go with it look. This promo ends on June 15th, so go ahead and get started. All right, welcome to a, another edition of the Mistaken Identity Podcast with David and Frank. Uh, we take a look at people that work at Wrigley Field and uh, show you what makes them great at home because they're more than just a title at Wrigley. They have way more to offer than just that. And I'm excited today because uh, one of my favorite people uh, in the world uh, who I have uh, great respect for and great conversations with who doesn't think that people want to hear from him, but he's the most requested person <laughs> everybody wants, and that is Mike Smith. Mike, welcome to the show. Yeah, I still don't believe it, but hi. <laughs> I posted on Facebook today that I will be talking to you in my inbox. Like, yes, finally. What day is it? When is it? So um, people, you, you know, you're, you're, people want to know about you outside of, you know, Wrigley. They see you at work and you're the, you know, the great, Bleacher Guardian, but how is he outside of her? Yeah, um, is that a question? <laughs> You're gonna learn today. You're gonna learn today because even though everybody calls me, so people call me Malcolm X at Wrigley, and recently they've been calling me Wakanda, whatever. Um, because you know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm always like, you know, let's treat everybody with respect, let's you know, help out the young people that work there. But most people don't know that sometimes I get really, really upset and really, really mad. And the one person that I can go to 
who sort of gives me the perspective is, believe it or not, you, Mike Smith. Like, people will never <laughs> believe that. <laughs> but it's true. Don't we, don't we have great conversations? Yeah, I would agree with that. I look forward to it, actually. So, And you can talk me off a ledge sometime, and I'm ready to just... Well, that one time you didn't, but usually... <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes out the window. Everything you just said doesn't matter anymore because you went over the ledge. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is, real quick, uh, you had a baby. Um, yes. So uh, tell us about the baby. Uh, what isn't there to say? I can talk forever about my daughter. Uh, she's, what, this is May, right? Yes. What's, that's three. So she's 15 months. Um, and I wish I would have had a conversation about being a parent before being a parent. You know, you hear those stories. Oh, kids are this, kids are that. Yeah. It's a lot to it. Um, but she's doing well. She's healthy. Um, I'm really excited to be a father. Um, and you gain new perspective. Um, that's how I would put it. Uh, did you have any uh, sleepless nights? I'm curious how you, how you were, how did you, how did you handle all that? Oh, oh, so. <laughs> all right. Uh, so how can I put this? So Audrey, she is big in schedules, Right. And, you know, we talk to some of our friends who have kids and they kind of explain like what they do. Right. But, you know, kids are different. Uh, People take different approaches, but schedules are super, super important. And I've learned to not only believe in schedules, but um, they help. So we have we start nighttime. Hell is what we call it. um, About 830. And it's, it's a process, man. Um, feed, read books, play, bath, story. Hopefully she falls asleep. Um, so at this point, um, it's hit or miss. So last night, she didn't wake up. It was great. The night before, she woke up um, said, hey, Dad, I need you to come over here and pick me up. Put me in bed and let's watch Mickey Mouse. Um She's not that articulate. It was more like just screaming in my ear. But, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it goes. I mean, for the most part, I would argue, I would say that she's a pretty good kid when it comes to like bedtime. And it's because Audrey trained me as well as the kid on our schedule. So there are certain things that, that we have to do, me and the baby, in order to meet Audrey's requirements, which, I don't know if we didn't have it. I don't know where I would be right now, to be honest. Like I give a lot of credit to her on that parenting end uh, about scheduling. And it's really uh, one of the people I used to work with. Uh, she was a big help with like, I'm just trying to say with like help, like figuring out how to like be a good parent or so to speak, like the schedule. So um, a teacher friend of mine, Lee, uh, she gave us some good advice. So. But so far, so good. I don't know if that answered it. Yeah, I, did. I remember I, I used to uh, I used to battle insomnia, so I would be like up at like two and three and four in the morning, and I would see some baby stuff, and um, I would just buy it. And I would text you in three days. Hey, there's a package outside. <laughs> right, <laughs> dude, that stuff worked. The 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 thing with you put the ice cube in, right. that that helped. Like the because she's been teething since she was born, right? right. 
still doesn't have any teeth. I have no idea why there's no teeth where she has. It. She drools and she cries, but we give her the little thing that you infomercial with us and, and it helped. <laughs> and we still have the diaper hanger thing on the wall. That, that's a lifesaver until she figured out how to climb up on the couch and take diapers out herself. So she does that. She can climb up there, take the diapers. And then I don't know what she's doing with the wipes now. I'm thinking she's practicing counting. So she'll get a thing of wipes and she'll go one, two. And I'll just sit there and I'll watch. I'm like, are you finished yet? She'll look at me. She'll smile. Be like, no, seven, eight. So, so yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I did that like three in the four in the morning, so I don't remember all that. But the one sane gift that I remember getting during normal times was the cub stuff. And I was doing the pandemic, so I had to stay on them and stay on them because they were closed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my that's the one I remember clearly getting is the the uh stuff from the cubs. Yeah, that was dope. Is I'm in her room. Where is it? Can I show it? Do you want me to show yeah, it? Yeah, you can show it. You can show it. If you have a membership, you'll be able to see this. Um if you don't have a membership, you should get one. It's like $3, patreon.com. Ah, yes. How do you do this? Yes. That was pretty dope, right? Yeah, that's what I like. That's my that's my favorite thing that I'm able to help with, yes. Uh, I, I actually like showed everybody and I made a big deal about it. And they're like, oh my God, you're so cool. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know, it's my baby. She's amazing. Yes. And of course, when you do it for one, you have, then Gene had a baby, then Austin had a baby. So now I'm just doing them all the time now because you can't just do it for one. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want to. <laughs> a really nice person. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, now, also with the baby. Now, when I was there last at your house, uh, you have you have a massive dog. Uh, oh, I think you still do. Have, you have a massive dog, and like so. And I know you have the cat, but how does that work with a baby? How is the, this huge German uh, Shepherd, right? Yeah, it's a big one too. Yes, yeah, so he's he's a pretty large German Shepherd. I wouldn't say he's the largest in the world. But he's a little bit bigger than average. Um, we were concerned um, when we were pregnant and about to have the baby, right? Like, who wouldn't be with a cat? And I think German Shepherd is supposed to be about 96 pounds. Yeah. Clint Eastwood is 110. He lost some weight because the vet said he's kind of big. But we were really concerned. Um but it turns out he loves the baby more than me and Audrey. He protects her. He's like always around. And now that she's like eating solid food, they have like this weird relationship where she will eat and then she will drop food right next to him. He will eat it. Then he will sit and wait for her to eat. So they, they do that a lot. I, I guess the best thing about it is I don't have to really clean up after the baby because the dog does it for us. So... Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And speaking of being in your house, so I was at your house for a uh, Super Bowl party, and uh, oh, yeah. yes, you can cook, but you got me hooked on fried pickles. Like, um, I don't know, was it your first time making those, or no? Was it? No, I think I made them a couple of times before. Better than the ones at Hooters. Like, I, and I love the ones at Hooters. Oh, who doesn't like Hooters, right? I was impressed by your. your oh, cooking. thank you. Like, oh wow, you, you had a whole spread. I think you had like even. Soul food mixed with some. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, this is not bad. Yeah, so I don't know how this started, but I would cook. No, this is how it started. So this is how it started. So my uncle, I'm not going to say any names. uh, We went to his house. This is a long time ago. And he, like, showed me how to barbecue. Maybe I was in college, maybe high school, not too sure. Um, So I kind of had an idea. Never really done it before. And then 
we were at one of my mother's parties and my oldest brother, DeAndre, was supposed to come and cook, but he got like tied up doing something. So it's like, Mikey, you can do it. I'm like, no, I'm, uh, I can't do it. I mean, okay, fine, right? So I did it and it wasn't bad, right? My older brother came, kind of showed me what I needed to do. But then after that point, I just, just kept trying it. And let's be honest, it wasn't the best all the time. But I would pride myself at this moment in my life. Um, I'm not a bad cook when it comes to those things. Um, it's just a lot of practice, man. And those pickles, like, it just sounded right at the moment. Like, oh, Super Bowl party, what? What goes great with ribs? Oh, fried pickles. That sounds great. Um, so I made them before at one of my mom's parties, maybe a year or so ago. And oh, I just did it again, man. And love your mom, too. I met your mom. Your mom should have her own show, by the way. I love your mom. Uh, she... <laughs> That's what most people would say. <laughs> so how's your mom? I'm sure your mom loves the baby. Grandma oh, who doesn't, right? Yeah, I'm sure she does. Yes. I mean, I know grandmother yeah. are like, you know, spoiling. Now, who doesn't? I mean, my whole family, um, especially Audrey's parents and everybody. It, I mean, I'm happy, you know, really blessed to have the support um, for my daughter. And your daughter, when she gets older, will probably be very upset that her entire life is on Facebook. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. Right. So like, I'm not a Facebook person, I no, I know. Facebook, but I haven't been on Facebook since like. Facebook was before Facebook. Anyway, long story short, uh, the pandemic changed a lot of stuff. So, like, I'm on Facebook. I'm like, <laughs> what pictures? I live here, by the way. I'm a fan of my daughter. I'm like, oh, what pictures are up there today? And I see one of me, and I get so excited. I'm like, oh, I got a chance to be a part of, of Olivia's Facebook experience. So, so yeah, I mean, how can I put this? Um, with my daughter having Down syndrome, um, you don't know how people are going to respond. It was difficult for us, right? We knew that there was a risk, um, but we went, we didn't ever think we could have kids and we had a kid and we were happy. And, you know, she's born um, with this. And it's one of those situations of you don't know what to expect because people don't talk about these things, right? Um, and it's like any other kid. And I think one of the main reasons we share her on Facebook is not just to share her because we love her and want, we're proud of her, but it's to show people like, I mean, people are people and we should love everybody. So it is one of those things where, I mean, she's walking now, you know, the therapist said it might be two, three years before she can walk and she's walking already. And it's like, whoa. You know, and that's just, you know, that's just our mindset with everything. It's um, sharing her with the world and all the positive energy that you get in return just makes you feel so much better about her life, you know, looking forward. Every day is an experience. Every day we don't know what we're going to get. And <laughs> it's been fun, man. I wish I would have done this sooner. Let's be real. <laughs> I, I mean, 
to me, I mean, she's so she is so photogenic to me that I did not know about the Down syndrome until like people somebody told me like later on. But she's just oh, so really? photogenic. No, I didn't. She's so photogenic. <laughs> and uh, I'm assuming that Audrey has the the best iPhone camera in the history of life um, because yeah, everything is just so the pictures are she, great. Like, I have no idea. I have no idea how she gets some good pictures. She, she does. I'm just like, and Olivia just like. I was like, what this is <laughs> yeah, get it to the Cubs. This is this is amazing. Like this is like, you know, this should be on, on Gerber. Like, I mean <laughs> um, and let's, let's be real. Like those photos are in the moment. So just think about what happened before or after that photo is yeah. <laughs> the la- is my life, right? You get a snapshot, but man, she daughter is amazing. Now I asked you earlier at the park in person about, you know, doing her hair. Are you uh getting any better at that or like what's going on with <laughs> you? No, it's it, it, it's she she brushes her own hair now, so that that's but it's more like she does this kind of like I'm like all right, well let's try to like brush her hair, so it doesn't work out well. And she kind of has like a mini afro, so we use a pick instead of like a comb because it's just it's easier to pick the afro, right? We pick her afro and she picks it, and I tried, I really did. One day I was like, you know what, Audrey, you I gotta. I'm going to get a hair. I'm going to do it. And for about a good 45 minutes, I tried to like give her a hairstyle. And I ended up literally just taking like a barrette and just like sticking it in there. And I said, all right, you win. This is not um, a job for me at this moment. So with some more practice, maybe eventually I'll be able to do some styling, styling, but at at this point, I'm not, I'm not, not betting on it. Now, you said that, you know, you all had some concerns and discussion uh, about Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. Uh, My question is, knowing how we are now in a highly toxic racial environment, Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any anxiety about um, the race, racial relations, the race-related things? And this, considering the environment that we're in now, how it's just really, really, we're hitting button heads and, you know. I mean, I think... The environment we are in now is a reflection of the past, right? So I teach history, um, and I don't want to get too historical, but I, I'm teaching American history this, this year, U.S. history. And one of my students, he said, yo, Mr. Smith, why are we always learning about the bad stuff that happens to Black people like slavery? Why don't, is there any good things that happen? And I want people to who's listening to think about that. And to your point, I think a lot of the tensions or the things we have is because we don't have a complete story of American history. Um, And if we had a more complete story, I think we not only would respect people more, but we will see each other's humanity um, more. Unfortunately, in American history, uh, there's a lot of dehumanization. Um, and that part of the story is kind of left out. It's like, it's like I'm a father, right? And I have a daughter and I tell her all the great stuff I did, right? Oh, I was amazing. I never drank. I was this. I was great. It's like, oh, daddy, you're amazing. And then she gets older and she finds out, wait, daddy, you drank alcohol? You told me I couldn't drink alcohol. Wait, you snuck out the house and it's like at that moment, you see things totally differently. Um, And I think one of the reasons we butt heads racially 
is because not only do we fail to see each other's humanity, um, we unfortunately didn't get the, the full story um, about where we've been. Um, what's unique about this moment is that people are questioning it, whether they're questioning uh, the validity of it, the facts of it, however you want to look at it, they're questioning what has taken place um, on both sides. And I think that eventually will lead to a better understanding and hopefully some mutual respect. Um, so like having a daughter who is one has Down syndrome, which people call a disability. Um, that's something totally different outside of race. But then she's black, she's mixed. Her future in this country, hope, I mean, if she becomes a lesbian, oh God, right? Um, her, <laughs> oh my God, she has a disability, she's black, she's mixed, and she's a lesbian, good luck, right? Um, hopefully in the next 10, 15 years, people will see her as just Olivia and won't see all these labels or things first. And I think that's what we need to get past Um um, in this in this uh, country, and, and I feel we're, we're going in that direction, right? I'll put it to you like this: um, because she has Down syndrome, my daughter is unable to get life insurance just okay. because of her condition. Yes. Um, Why? Why is that? Uh, it's just what insurance policies have. Wow. Also, if I were to leave her money, I would have to leave it in a trust. Because I can't leave her money because they will count it as income. Wow. Therefore, she wouldn't get any additional support from other places. And when we think of that kind of things, we like to have this picture of life based on our own personal experience that everything works. You know, I worked hard. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, how that story goes, and I made something of it. We have to really consider that a lot of the policies and laws that we have are for people who already have boots, right? It's really hard to pull yourself up from your bootstraps if you ain't got no boots on. And in my daughter's place, not only does she not have boots, but her feet probably can't even fit the boots. They are bound and they're tied. So there's so many things that people have to get through just to make, how can I put it, just to meet what people would say is normal, I guess. I don't know how to phrase that. But. That's very upsetting to hear, though. I, I did not know that at all. Uh, but we, and real quick, before I get emails from people, uh, we're not saying that anything is wrong with being a lesbian. We're not saying that, that that's a negative thing. But we're just, you know, you were just pointing out all of, you know, <laughs> the many different things. Because I, I, I will get the emails. I know how it is <laughs> with these podcasts. But, wow, that, that, that was deep. And this is the kind of, you know, this is the kind of thing that I get from Mike that you all don't get. Um, so when I have my supervisor interview, uh, they had asked me, you know, okay, so out of all the supervisors, Frank, um, who's the one that you think that you are, uh, that you relate to the most or that you are, that you're going to learn from the most or resemble the most? And I think I shocked everybody in the interview when I said Mike Smith. <laughs> but it was true, though, because of, like, you know, what we just talked about, like, uh, you know, you know you, we have these conversations and um, it really, even though I'm older than you, uh, probably about a lot, but even though older than you, uh, I learn from you like all the time. Like I learn from you that like, whenever we talk, I'm learning something from you like all the time. That's cool, dog. Thank you. Now let's talk about something that uh, we talked about recently. 
uh, in broad terms so that uh, at least I don't get fired. But uh, <laughs> we, talked about how, yeah, we talked about how in businesses in general, the management structure and who they're hiring to be managers in businesses in general is changing. You made a good point uh, that I had never thought about. Do you remember that conversation? Help, help, please. So we, we were talking, I was talking about how, they, you know, companies like Instacart, which I can say because I used to work with them, uh, will come in and hire people uh, and forget the ones that worked already with the experience. They will go out, come out and bring somebody in new. And my whole thing was like, why do they, why don't, why don't they just raise up the people that were there and uh, make those people the manager because they have all the experience? Uh, and then you were just talking about how uh, in business in general, the trend is not that anymore. It's not really to worry about the ones that have experience and move them up. It's to look for people from the outside to bring them inside, maybe to pay them less or what have you. Um, but you maybe think about it in a different in a different light. Now I'm drawing a blank. Um, Could you tell me so much? Could we talk so much? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't remember that conversation. I'm so sorry. Um, no, no, it's good. We we talked so much, but um, because a lot, a lot of people, not at Rayleigh, but in general in life, are always like, you know, uh, I have the experience. I've been here for 25 years, and here's somebody off the street, right, right, hired, and now they're telling me what to do. But then in three or four years, the one that they hired, they're gone now, and then they, oh, you know, yeah. then they rely on you. Oh, okay, well, you know, that didn't work, so I'm gonna bring you in. Now. <laughs> uh, but we have some great conversations around that and i mean just just thinking about it like right now just talking about it right it, when you think of those positions because of usually what college degree or somebody referred them or it, it's easier to, to to bring those people in in my opinion um just because you can't right, right? right. um but it's a difference between there's a difference between on paper, does the college person bring them in to manage people? And do they have the ability to manage people? I think managing right. people requires more than just a college degree in that yeah. certain area. Like, right, how do you talk to people and respect people? And Yeah, it's a lot more to it. But when you think about, like, the way things are structured now, I mean, people go to school to get a degree to get a job. You know, in the 70s, 60s, I can't say this is necessarily true, but I know a lot of people went to college to learn, right? It was that whole enlightened thing. You didn't need a college degree in 1970 to get health benefits, right? Um, you need that now. Um, so this, the structure of things are different. I think it's just simpler to bring someone in, tell them what to do and how they, how you want them to do it um, and have them delegate opposed to using someone who, who's been working there and who has experience, but, in those positions, I mean, usually people don't have college degrees in those positions. They don't look as attractive on paper, right? They're not someone who you can show off. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a good point. Um, I have an example for you. So, again, I was with Instacart for a year before I left. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I can say this now because I got my separate check, so I can say bad things now. But <laughs> um, so they were, they were, they created a policy on their own, without asking us, in an office somewhere. They had never been to the store at all, because they're just in an office somewhere. They created a policy, handed the policy down to the next level, and then that person then told us the policy. We knew it wouldn't work, because we are the ones that are actually doing the stuff in the store, so we knew it wasn't gonna work. So then we'll go and say, well, this is not gonna work because of this, this, and this, and they're like, well, you know, let's, let's just try it. We're gonna stick to it and whatever. So we do it. It does not work at all, but because of, pride 
because of pride, we're forced to continue doing it. We don't, we don't like it. Customers are complaining about it. So what happens after like three months, a survey comes out. What do you all think about this new thing that we're doing and how can we, how can we fix it and whatever, whatever. So we give our opinions and state how it should work, whatever. And lo and behold, the policy changed. But what they could have done, what they would never do, they could have, at Instacart, uh, brought us in the room together before they made the policy and say, hey, you all have the experience. You all are doing this every day. What are some things that you all think, you know, we want to change this. This is what we want to be. This is the end goal. Based on your experience, how can we get from here to the end goal? They didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't do that until they decided on their own. This is what we're going to do. Didn't work. Had to come back and ask us. Pissed off customers. And then we're, now we're, okay, now we're working at it. So that that just bothers me. Yeah, I think it's I think it's not necessarily the experience part. I think I would I like to think that they know and value your experience. I think they don't think you're qualified because why? You don't have the job, you don't have the degree, you didn't get this interview, you don't talk to these people, the bosses, you're not in here. You're the person who are who's doing what I am telling you to do, even though from your perspective. You're doing what you've always been doing. Like, you're the new person. I've been doing this since right. <laughs> right? What do you mean? You're telling me what to do. I know exactly what to do. I know. Do you know what, right? Right. Um, so I, I don't think it's that they don't value. I think it's, like I said, it's, it's a disconnect there. It, it's more of they don't see not the value of you, but what they're doing, I would argue, um, I don't want to say it's more valuable, but comes from a more knowledgeable place. That's not, what am, what am I looking for? Do you know what I'm just kind of trying to say here? Yeah. What they're telling you is because of their position and their qualifications. Yeah. And based on that and all the work and studying and stuff that they bring, what they have to do is super important. Yeah. And it supersedes experience. Yeah. Because I'm trying to look at it from that perspective. Because with all this experience that you have, why do I have this job and not you? Maybe that, maybe that's a way of looking at it. But the whole idea of experience as the way to get up for some, in some circles, that's just not how it works anymore, you know? And people in, in a lot of places just don't value not just employee experience, but customer experience. Um Elizabeth Warren, I didn't see the whole testimony. She was talking to the, I don't know if he's a CEO of Chase or. I heard, yes, I heard about this. Yeah, right, right. And so she was pointing out so some regular facts, just regular numbers. And it came down to Chase making like 26, 24, I'm not sure of the exact numbers, billion dollars in profit. That's what she pointed out. I'm not sure how accurate she is, but his testimony, federal testimony, these are pretty true numbers, right? They don't really lie in these situations. Um, and just profit, not how much they made, but profit alone. Right. And she pointed out that $1.5 billion in profit came from overdraft fees. And she asks the guy, the CEO, whoever, he's like, yo, you make $26 billion in profit. That's not much y'all brought in, that's just your profit. And you charge your customers $1.5 billion. Can you commit <laughs> so just refunding them that 1.5 billion. You still have 26 billion in profit, which is a lot of profit. 
And he, he doesn't say anything. He just says, no. And she says, and I think she like asks him again. He says, no. And that just kind of, in my opinion, that tells me what a lot of companies think of not just the people that work for them, but the people who uses their services or products. Um, it's really hard to get past this dynamic um, of businesses are in the business of making money and government to some extent supports that. I mean, if you go back to the Gilded Age, right? Um, 1890s with all the different types of strikes. I mean, this is not new, right? This has been a consistent pattern in the history of our country as far as businesses focusing on profit. Um, and unfortunately, is at the expense of not just the worker, but a lot of times uh, the people who use those services. Um, I think about McDonald's, right? I mean, some McDonald's in a city, you at every other corner. I can only imagine how much the company makes. I know each McDonald's is individually owned, right? But the, the company makes, yet they pay their employees, what, minimum wage? I mean, just think about that. <laughs> you know, the, the CEO, own, I don't know who these people are, but if Chase is bringing in $25 billion, I can only imagine how much money McDonald's is bringing in. And the people that work, for you, <laughs> they make a minimum wage, man. Um, I don't know how far people can get on seven, eight, nine, ten dollars an hour, um, but I know it's probably difficult. Um, I wish there was more value placed on workers and people. Um, I think about the pandemic now, and you know this whole notion of getting back to normal well we have to keep in mind maybe normal for you is a good thing but normal for a lot of people even before the pandemic was a struggle i think about the neighborhood in which i work it's hard working people there they go to work every day you know some people like two three jobs just to be able to live in a really I hate to say diff difficult difficult environment uh, i remember being younger my mother worked four or five jobs. We even stayed with our grandparents. So we didn't even have like rent, but worked four or five jobs just to make sure that um, we were able to do simple things like go, go car racing. Right. I, I made a joke to her because <laughs> it was two of us. She would take us go car racing. Um, I think go car racing was 75 cents. Um, and her best friend would come pick us up and we would go out there and her best friend ha ha has a son. And it was me and my brother. We would go and we would go go-kart racing and me and my brother could go twice, but our friend could go a lot more. And I'm like, mom, why can't we go more? And she would say, it's two of you. There's only one of him. That was good enough for me at, you know, 11 or 12, but thinking back, what's 75 cents times four. Right. So I really got to keep that in mind about this whole idea of getting back to normal. Um, yes, we want, we want to do that, but we really need to consider the people that normal didn't work for, that lost their jobs, that are on unemployment. A lot of people don't want to go back to work now because they're like, why should I go back to work to live like I used to? 
where how I used to work got me on unemployment, <laughs> right? I can't pay my rent. Why do I need to go back to that lifestyle? And I, hopefully things improve so people can have the opportunity to make better. I can start talking a lot, better choices for themselves. I'm sorry, dog. No, you're good. I was, I was gonna say one of the reasons why I've been teaching young people of color, especially about investing, um, is because now let me say I don't agree with capitalism at all. I don't, I don't agree with it, but I don't, <laughs> I, don't believe in, I don't. I don't believe in just pro- protesting about it because it, it ain't going anywhere. I need to get into it. So I'm teaching everybody how to invest. I'm not sure if I told you, but uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, I started on the road to retirement this year uh, nice. because, of how much, because of how much I've made. Uh, investing just from the pandemic alone. So we, when you brought up, well, I've been doing it for years, but the, the pandemic year, businesses and corporations made so much money that they were able to pay us investors. That's all they care about, not the customer. They care about the investors. Uh, yeah, that's who they care about. Let's uh, be yeah, real. I made so much money. <laughs> uh, I made more money in that um, pandemic year from investing than I did like the last four or five years, actually, investing in those dividend checks, you know, are never stopped. But um, it's, it's a big, you know, I don't understand how we, you're a teacher, I don't, you might know a better answer. I don't understand how we live in a country that is based on capitalism, but we don't teach it in like schools with it. Like nobody knows how to invest or about the market, but everything is, everything is, is wars and uh, decisions and policies and elections are based around the market. I mean, I don't understand how we don't teach it in school. I, I don't like, it's like, it's almost like it's designed to keep some people away well, I shouldn't say that, but it feels like it's <laughs> then why why not teach it? Why not have everybody getting dividends and stocks and investing and <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you. And I think is it's not universal to teach it, but it's not that it's not being taught, right? And we have to keep in mind that even if it's being taught will people still have the means and access to actually utilize this system under which we live? Um, I think that is probably the biggest obstacle to people's interest in it, in my opinion. Um, It's the fact that, yeah, I can learn it, but I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? Um, However, I think it's a lot easier to do that stuff now, though, right? With the phones and things. yeah. Yes. <laughs> so like that makes it more practical, especially for a younger generation. But I mean, if you think about like growing up, even in the 90s or 80s, right? If someone were were to teach you about that, what is the likelihood that you will do it? I mean, I think about people born in the 50s or 60s and they went to school in the 70s, like get a job at a factory or for the government is the way you make a life. It's not all right, let's teach, let's teach about the market. You can go and do this and have an even better life, right? I, I think access, not just to the information, but being able to make it practical in people's mind is the biggest hurdle. And the people who look at it as practical <laughs> are, are, are the wealthier ones who um, take this information and go. And other people, I shouldn't say other people, and some groups or some people um, can learn it, but to them, it's just not practical. What's more practical is maybe, you know, I'm not sure, going to college, getting a degree and becoming an artist or an analyst. I don't, I don't know. 
but I, I think it's the practicality of it in people's mind. But I think what what you pointed out is common knowledge now. How much <laughs> people made, right? And how simple it is to do it. And who knows with this younger generation coming up? I mean, they're going to replace the baby boomers as the largest group of available voters or eligible voters. This Generation Z. So who knows what the future may hold, right? So I want to end on. So we're talking baseball. Oh, this is over. This was fun. I want to keep. I going know. On. And you said, "I just like what, what is going. What, what are we going to talk about, Frank? I don't want to do this. I have no idea. I, I mean, let's be real. I, I, you're like, let's. I'm like, what? What? No one wants to hear me, but it's not. Nice well, we always have great conversations, Mike. When do we not have? That's when do we true. not have good conversations? That's fair. If you were to say me and you were going to talk, that that was that I probably would say fine. But like, it's like, oh, you should come on the podcast and talk. And I'm like, dude, what? I, <laughs> Who wants to hear me? Is this going to be like sleepless in Seattle where we got people calling in mm-hmm. a bunch of letters, right? In the mail saying, yeah. right. my time is almost up and I still have, I've only done half of my list for you. Well, I, we can, I, I don't have the baby is, we got the baby done early today mm-hmm. for this. So we can even talk when this is over. If you right. want. Yeah. Do that, Cause I'm, I, I'm only uh, paying for an hour on the podcast, but yes. Baseball real quick. Everybody knows you as the, uh, bleacher or supervisor, but I want to talk to people that don't know about how you started. So how did you find out about the Cubs and when did oh, you first Lord. start working for the Cubs? Oh, man. Um, I was in high school. Well, so how did I find out about the Cubs? So my mother wanted to be a teacher. Um, this is probably why I am a teacher. So Northeastern, she went there to get a teaching degree um, and we would go with her to school, right? Like we lived with my grandparents, but like my, we were with my mother all the time. So we live way uh, south side. So we would take the red line to the brown line, to the bus, to Northeastern. And then we would walk um, to Northeastern. And she was there and she said hiring and she needed a job and it was the Cubs. Um, so she was working at the Cubs first and we would go all the time. And this was in the 90s. Um, then eventually I applied in high school. Um, and these people don't exist at the Cubs anymore. But Cynthia, I don't know Cynthia's last name. Gerald, Cynthia Gerald. So you know, you remember Cynthia? Yep. So I was there and she was interviewing me. And then I brought up, she's like, so what? interest you in the company like, oh my mom used to work here a while ago and i told her her name and her reaction i remember it to this day this is when uh when i guess you call it home base but it was above gate k and had the turnstile yeah. this is long time. everything yeah yeah it was a long time ago. we used to rip tickets when i was um doing yeah. count eric told me what he used to do when he ripped tickets and i wish i would have known i shouldn't say because he still works there anyway um, <laughs> we used to rip tickets anyway um so I'm in the interview and then she asked me the question and I'm like, yeah, who's your mother? And I give her my mother's name and she looks at me. She said, who your mother is? And I say the name and then the interview just stopped and she literally goes, ah! <laughs> oh my God! Ah! And I'm sitting there like, uh, like this is my, like one of my first interviews ever. And I've got the time and I'm doing, and this lady screaming. And I'm like, uh, and then she's like, wait, you the son? You one of them kids that run around here? I'm like, yeah. 
And she like hugs me and the interview stops. And we just talked about um, <laughs> like when I was younger hanging out there. So this was when Sammy Sosa was still there. So maybe 99. It wouldn't be 98. It was 99 or 2000. So we were there together then. We were there together then. Uh, I was an usher. So you probably didn't. I was an usher. After, well, I, so I had the red vest. I don't remember what I wore. So I might have been before. I had the red vest and the tie, but uh, that was when I, remember I had a tie. I had a tie too. Yeah. So then, yeah, we were, we were there at the same time, probably. Yeah. Oh wow. Um. Yeah. So, um, I, w- I worked for two years, and I got a job at McDonald's. I think McDonald's was paying five dollars or five fifty an hour. It was more money. So I went to work in McDonald's <laughs> instead of working at the Cubs, and then, um. This was way after college when I became a teacher. Um, so I was a career changer. I said, well, I had the summers off. Let me just see if the Cubs are hiring. I looked into it and they were. And that's how I came back. So, so yeah, long history. Um, that's, and Sue, Sue, I remember Sue from when I was a little kid. She used to take care of me and she still doesn't remember me. I'm like, Sue, I remember when I was a kid. You've been working here since 1901. <laughs> you look exactly the same. She doesn't remember me. But those people were really cool. Sue, Mary, Rohan, June, Rohan, yes. Yeah. Russell. Who were the people we used to look out for? They were they would like give us balls. One player. Henry Rodriguez. That guy. He would always walk up and down the concourse. He must have signed our mitt a hundred times. I would always see him. He was a really cool guy. This is like what, 90, 96. I think so, yeah. 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 So then tell me about tell me about um the decision to become a supervisor, how that worked out. Loud. I don't know. Uh this is when Derek, uh, I forgot his last name. He was yeah, Derek, yeah. Derek and Hannah. So I talked to him about it and he made the suggestion and then I applied. He actually left. Then I applied for it. And um, just based on the suggestion, like, right. I didn't think, I mean, I did it while I was teaching. Right. Um, I didn't know how I just figured I was doing until I got bored with it. And then going to supervisor, I said, Oh, you think you'll be good at it? And I'm like, you think so? Huh? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, Let's talk about it. Um, so it really wasn't a decision. It was more like you should do it, right? Um, and I said, why not? Um, and here I am. That's kind of how. So the, the, uh, the third person on our team is me, David, and Joe Flaherty. He's actually the one behind the scenes that puts our podcast together for us. And um, he was in your class, supervisor class. Mm-hmm. Him and Megan. Yeah, so you all were like the, the first ever Morgan class, I believe. Is that what you call them? Okay. Yeah, and then because uh, I'm, I'm 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 in the Morgan class too. Cause I, I I'm I was after you though, but I'm in the, I'm in the Morgan class. So uh, I didn't think I would ever be a supervisor. I didn't think that they would say yes to me because I was running the gate. So you know, I was just mm-hmm. I let him go. Hey, you, I, my first year was my I don't know if my first year supervisor was your first year back, but yeah, so. well, and when we had what gate H, remember that experience? Yeah. You would figure out how, how to do that. Yeah, it was it worked out right. Every day, yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that was every day. It, it, it worked um, out. 
Yeah, so uh, you're definitely going to have to come back on the podcast again because, like I told you, uh, so you can't, you can't put it like that. You can't say come back on the podcast. Me and you got to talk again. We talk all the time. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> we're going to talk after this, too, um, because well, I don't know what other questions you have for me because I don't feel like I answered any of them. Interesting. Was it interesting, you think? I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Oh, well, fine. I would have jumped, jumped in and cut you off if I was, you know. <laughs> I guess that's what I can talk. You know, I can talk a long time. I try not to. The kids always say, Mr. Smith, we understand. <laughs> we got it the first 12 times. And, you know, and the kids are I, it's very open, very honest. I want them to talk to me. I'm like, nobody's perfect. Even your teacher, I can learn just as much from you as you can learn from me. So they check me as often as I need to be checked. And I don't know what I'll where I'll be where I would be without them controlling class because if it was up to me I would stay on one topic and we'll never get to <laughs> we'll never get to the next one you know so well I get all kinds of in my head undeserved but I get all kinds of compliments people that really feel about helping them out and uh the way I talk to them and treat them and whatever and uh you know I um I what'd you say the baby's awake. It's okay. Go ahead. Oh, can we, can we see or no? But um, <laughs> uh, I get all kinds of compliments all the time about, you know, how I'm doing this and doing that and whatever. And, um, you know, the person that keeps me grounded and keeps me sane, because everybody's like, Frank, how do you deal with all these issues and people complaining about to you all the time and you don't like fall off a ledge? But that person, but and you should, I'm sure you know right now, but that person is you. You keep me sane and like grounded. Uh, when I'm ready to go stab somebody, you know, it's <laughs> not in your nature, you know, and you break it down for me in a way that I'm like, okay, I could be working on at gate three on the side of the stadium. I will come all the way to the bleachers. <laughs> like, like this, this so-and-so did this or whatever. You'd be like, you break it down in a way that I can go back to the gates and I'm not arrested because everybody, you know, that West side of me comes out. It's sometimes, right? you know, uh, so I, I will be forever grateful to you and appreciative for you for uh, helping mold me to be the person I am today. So thank you. Oh man, that's 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 dope. I really uh, appreciate that. Um, I mean, I don't know what to say in return except thank you. Um, and your daughter, your daughter was in excellent hands. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Your daughter's in excellent hands, but you just you're just great with people and just know what to say, when to say it, um, when. I don't even know what to say sometimes, but you know right what to say. And then you'll say it. I'll copy it and make it like it's my statement. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as we're helping each other, that's all That's all I care about, yeah, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. And if you ever need anything for me, for yourself, for baby, whatever, you let me know. Well, we're going to need a babysitter here. <laughs> Audrey's working from home, but I'm not sure how that's going to last. Uh-oh. Okay, so I'll, I'll, pray I'll, I'll, I'll pray yeah, on that. We both can pray. We both can pray. <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't say I did just say I'm retired. I didn't. I so okay. yeah, you did point that out. Um, it's not hard. <laughs> it's not hard, especially when you know. I don't like diapers. I can't do diapers. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't do diapers either. It's it's insane. For it's, some reason, the kid, my baby, my daughter, she waits for me to change her diaper. <laughs> she looks at. Me. And she's laying there, and I'm like, diaper, you know, give her the sign. You know, t- we teach her a sign and how to speak so for communication. 
and we're like diaper. And she knows what it means. So she'll lay there and right in the process, she'll smile. And I'm like, you don't do it. Don't do it. And she'll wait. And as soon as I put the butt paste, boom, she moves and she laughs. And then she'll sit and look at me. Then my hands are all filled with butt paste and everything never fails. Um, so once you get past that, <laughs> it's a piece of cake, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking more like when she's like 16, then uh, yeah. uh, they can take care of themselves at that age, man. I don't need any help then. I need help now. Babysitting now, I would probably the house would probably be burned down. I, I would just be like, help. Like, <laughs> you know what? I mean, I don't see how my house isn't burned down yet. Now <laughs> it's a lot. Now that she can walk and move, mm-hmm. is we see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> Different than today. I was like that. It's yeah. an experience. It's an experience that if you are able to have kids or adopt or something that you've thought about or want to do, try it out. You yeah. won't be upset. You won't be upset. I mean, I'm not saying try it all you can give the kid back, right? <laughs> Ain't no going back, right? So make sure you're ready. <laughs> right. This you need to be ready. Right. It's 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 a lot. So it's, it's, it's a great time. It's hey, maybe maybe you know you'll have four or five. You never know. I want seven. I can't say what all you said about that. <laughs> but <laughs> Wait, why, why, why seven? Why not? It's a good number. It's a good number. When I get a baseball team, you get nine. I mean, I mean, nine is a lot. Seven is like a that's a lot. Seven is a good number. I don't know. I'm, I'm very like you know. I like do the numbers and the universe type. Seven is a good number. Well, seven in the Bible is the year of completion. You there you go. Seven, so. Look, it's a good number. Told you. Look, bring it in Jesus, right? Bring him on over and talk about completion. Okay. Seven, uh, seven kids is a good number. If you have seven kids, you're lucky. If you have one. You're even luckier too. So now, well, and I gotta go. But speaking of religion, so are you all doing the uh, the the baptism thing? Or are you gonna let her choose her own religion? Or oh, that's a really good question. Um, so I'm Catholic. Well, I was. Um, we actually are looking to be Baptists now. So we joined a Baptist wow. church during the pandemic. Um, because, like I said, like having a daughter who has Down syndrome isn't something that, how can I put it? They have supports for it, but mentally you're never really there. At least I wasn't at first, right? So we really broadened our support system. And one of the things that helped us with this was religion. Um, So Audrey's cousin, his friend's father's a pastor. Um, And we just talked to him. And we talked to him a lot. And just by talking to him helped us see the beauty of it all, um, for lack of better terms. And just talking to him, you just start watching his church. I mean, we're at home, everybody's stuck in a, stuck in a house and we watch church and he talks and we listen. And it, it was, it was moving to a degree that helped us not just put things in perspective, I hate to say it that way, but made our life more whole, right? Um, Being a Catholic, reading the Bible, I don't know how many times I read the Bible, right? Not saying that I wasn't whole as a Catholic, because I think that also really helped define who I am. Um, 
But this time, I guess you can say it, my religion spoke to me from a Baptist angle. I didn't know he was a Baptist. I didn't know it was a Baptist church until we actually went to join it, right? So um, that was interesting. But yeah, um, so yeah, we, we do that every Sunday. We talk to the pastor. We do the sessions online every week or so. And um, it really broadened our support system and uh, it made things um, not easier, but it opened our minds and a lot more positive, positive energy um, came in. I guess that's, I guess that's how I should, should put it. So, yeah. So I guess I'm Baptist. I'm not really sure how that all that stuff works, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been Baptist all my life. I'm, I'm surprised because you said that because, uh, you know, the Baptist church, they're in church for about two or three hours at a time. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yes, we are. <laughs> but it's something that I don't, I didn't really realize. I, I hate to say this because people, you said people can listen to this everywhere. This never comes back. One of the great things about being Catholic was church 15, was 15. It was short. Right. And you're out, you can enjoy your Sunday. Um, I think what made me not really recognize that church is so long is because it's online. And we're kind of sitting there and we listen to it and they can sing their butts off and they sing. Oh, yes. And they got this preacher comes on and that person, we listening. And it's more, I didn't put it as, as a result of watching it on TV, I didn't realize how long it was until we looked at the clock and we like, oh, dang, church started at 11. Then. <laughs> He's 35. I'm like, oh, he preached, he preached good today, right? <laughs> he was yeah. up. So, um, I mean, at this point, it's something that we're kind of used to. Um, I think you can give a few hours out of a day um, just to, you know, reflect on life. Yeah, I went to Catholic school uh, for eight years. I went to the Catholic church. So I got to see both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, nothing, nothing like the music. And the shouting and the right, yeah, you know, just you know, I don't know, yeah, you know, like go to a concert, but uh, we gotta go. But uh, I want to oh, thank you right. very time, much. Right, uh, thank you very much. I thank you all for listening. I'm gonna try to get him back. We have more, um, and enjoy your uh, rest of your weekend. And thanks for listening to the Mistaken Identity Podcast with uh, David and Frank. Hey, everybody, Joe Flaherty here with the Mistaken Identity Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We want to thank you for your continued support. We also want to extend a heartfelt thank you to those of you who have written reviews, dropped some likes, and shared our shows as that has allowed us to grow beyond any of our expectations. As a matter of fact, we're excited to announce a new way for our loyal listeners to enhance their experience even more with our new membership feature. All you have to do is jump in the show notes and follow the link to our Patreon page where you can find access to a whole bunch of extra goodies for as little as $3 a month. You'll be given access to exclusive content, merchandise, behind-the-scenes video, early access to episodes, the ability to make special requests for guests, and much, much more. Now, if that sounds like something that interests you, head on over to Patreon and search Mistaken Identity Podcast or simply follow the link in our show notes to join the likes of Nancy Sullivan, Alice Daniels, and Kathy Chester at the rookie level, all the way on up to the Hall of Fame level with longtime listeners Kathy Weedley and Kathy Grossman. As always, we can't leave without our disclaimer. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next time.